Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we come before you this morning, hungry for your word, ready to hear what you have to enlighten for us. Guide us in being fully present. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens have been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. Then Moses stretched his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided, and the Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and their left. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Perhaps some of these stories sound familiar to you from the Old Testament. There is a theme that runs throughout them and then continues into our story with Peter and the disciples today. God has power over the water. For water in Old Testament scripture is chaotic, it's powerful, and in chaos lives confusion, in chaos lives evil. Theologian Karl Barth says that water is the principle which in its abundance and power is absolutely opposed to God's creation. It is representative of all the evil powers which oppress and resist the salvation intended for the people of Israel. And indeed, in these stories, God calms and parts the waters, thereby giving land to God's people for safe passage. And here we are today encountering water again in Matthew as he tells us the story of the disciples in the boat. Tossed by the waves, fighting against the wind in utter darkness. And there is no doubt that storm waters at sea are terrifying. Literature plays and films are full of these stories of people being lost at sea, tossed about in storms, shipwrecks that are never found, conquered by the might of the waves and the wind. And even more terrifying is a storm at night, for in the darkness one cannot see anything. 
And so the disciples are reasonably nervous or more than reasonably nervous, practically. I think they're terrified in the boat with the wind and the waves and the blackness of the night. And in the wee hours of the morning, the last few hours before dawn, and perhaps you know what that time feels like. If you've stayed up all night with friends or, or risen very early to catch a sunrise, those hours before the sun begins to peek over the horizon when the earth feels still and dark. This is called the fourth watch because in Roman times when guards were posted around the clock of the night, changing watch, this was number four. And in scripture, the fourth watch is always when Satan makes his move. Satan uses that time before the light begins for the new day for temptation. And this is the time that Jesus walks across the water to the disciples who are in this boat being battered around. And Jesus, in walking across the water, masters the water. And in doing so, he is showing the disciples that he is God. Because only God can master the power and chaos of water. I would call this Jesus's I am who I am moment. Just as God says the same when questioned, Jesus says, it is I. When I was looking at stories around the darkest hour and boats, I came across Augustine of Hippo one of our early church fathers, and, and Augustine equates the sea to the world and the ship to the church, which is tossed by the waves in a contrary wind. Augustine notes that the disciples must be in the ship in order to traverse the sea of life. For if they swim on their own, they are likely to sink and drown. And whether we call that a sea or a lake, we understand we're talking about a magnitude of water, and that the church is the boat tossed by tempests, tempests, temptations, and buffeted by winds, the evil that surrounds us. And it is Christ the one that calms the storm. And even beyond the ship as church and the water as the world, Augustine takes it one step further and he says, that we too are like many boats set sail on this, this ocean of the world, tossed by waves of anger and winds of discord, tempted by our own minds and doubting in our own souls. And it is Christ within us that centers us and takes away the chaos. Christ who takes the rudder and charts the course. Elijah and Peter are both in their darkest hours when they reach out to God. Elijah is running for his life from Jezebel. Jezebel has Elijah on her most wanted list, and she will not stop until she kills him. And Elijah runs 
to God. And Peter is in the boat with the disciples and you can imagine them all clinging to the sides as they are tossed in these waves and, and battling this wind in the darkness of the night. Fearful for their own lives. God in the form of Jesus comes silently in the darkest hour with power to make the chaos recede. God in the form of Jesus comes to Peter and God himself comes to speak to Elijah. And God is not there in the wind, the wind that splits rocks. God is not there in the fire and God is not there in the earthquake. God comes in the silence. And when Jesus comes to the disciples across this tormented water that is so crazy, he walks above it calmly over the chaos, demonstrating his power over the tempest. And when he and Peter get into the boat, the storm subsides completely. Both Elijah and Peter reach out to God in their darkest hours. And I wonder, I wonder for you and I, if we are willing to do the same. Are we willing to ask to be saved when our faith wavers and we begin to sink like Peter? And I have to imagine in that moment when Peter was sinking, his cry out to Jesus was just an automatic response that with his whole being, he couldn't do anything but cry out for help. Peter calling out to Jesus, Elijah running to find God. Both of them were able to admit that they needed God's help. And I wonder if we're able to admit that ourselves. And in doing so, it means admitting, like Peter did, like Elijah did, that we are afraid, and that our faith may be wavering. And that may be the toughest part, is that admittance of weakness. Augustine says that Christ is in us, and that when we ourselves are battling the winds and the waters and the tempests, that Christ is with us, and all we need to do is ask him to awake, to arise and be with us in those moments. To ask Christ to center us and to calm the storms within us. And this is where fear intersects with faith. And I do believe that they walk hand in hand. I do not believe that we can be afraid and not have faith. In other words, what I'm saying is we can be afraid and be faithful. And we can be faithful and still be afraid. Faith enough in our darkest hours to admit our fear and to call out for help, which then creates a deeper, stronger faith. Fear pushes us into faith. Should we choose to cling to it and claim it and stand upon it as our foundation of Christ? Peter, in faith, some people say he's doubting. I think it is a great act of faith that he calls out and says, Lord, if it really is you, call me out to you. 
And then fear enters in when he begins to sink. And out of the deep fear and faith embedded within him, he cries out to God to save him. The promise, the promise set for us this morning, when God comes to Elijah in the silence, when Jesus walks upon water to the disciples, it is the promise of God, our God, who reminds us that when we are in tempests, when we are in our darkest hours before dawn, that Christ will be there. Christ will calm the storm. That God always has power over chaos. And in that promise, when we are in our darkest place and we cannot see light, there will be a promise from God of a new day a new day that will dawn with hope and promise for a future. Amen.